This morning, I have entitled the message, More Joy, and we've been using it as a theme for uh, Christmas season, Joy to the World, and we try to talk on Christmas Eve, Joy to Your World. But let, let's be honest, uh, it's, uh, it's always challenging at times to be joyful, and sometimes, I don't know if you like this, but sometimes I'm, I, I feel guilty when I'm naturally joyful, because maybe just the blessings of God, the goodness of God, and the circumstances going really well, and then, then I hear of others who are who are really struggling because of some things that have happened in their life. And, and we need to recognize how can we have joy when, when life is not exactly like we'd like it to be. Um, we didn't share in a major public way, but one of, one of our regular uh, worshipers at Grace Hills Church, Vivian Fernandez, uh, going into the Thanksgiving season, her husband, Raymond was working in Las Vegas where some of her extended family is, and he caught COVID. And not only did he catch it, but her grandfather, uh, Cipriano. And as they struggled through that and were hospitalized, it became very evident that it was going to be very debilitating and even possibly deadly. And, and that's exactly what happened. And, and both during the Christmas season, her husband and her father passed away. And part of that, adding to the dilemma of that, is because of the quarantine, she wasn't allowed to go and be with them their last days. And then yesterday, uh, or it might have been right on Christmas, I got a telephone call, and, and Matt and Lisa Aldridge, uh, Lisa's family, her, her mom and dad and her grandmother got COVID. The grandmother went through it, uh, but then was dehydrated and needed to be hospitalized, and, and then her mom seems to be doing a lot better, but her dad, who has some other physical challenges, is, um, is really struggling with contracting the disease. You, you hear good news. Uh, I, I didn't share that with you, but my oldest son and my youngest son, son both got COVID uh, about a month and a half ago. They, they went through it in a couple weeks, and they're, they're doing awesome, and uh, some of you know that they are just runners to the max. I, I don't ever call myself a runner anymore. I, I, it's a light jog compared to what they do. But they're back to running and they're back to full health. And so we recognize that in the midst of a, a joyful season, there are those who are going through the most heartbreaking of experiences. And then when you think about that, and so often uh, in this year, 2020, and as we go into 2021, and I think Dr. Fossey thought it was going to get worse before it gets better, is this is not the only challenge people have, and I think we need to recognize that. Uh, th there are places around the world that uh, it's not about COVID. It's about where they're living and what people around them are doing. If you, uh, and I really urge you to do the personal time with God if for no other reason is to look at uh, who we focus on as a mission prayer concern each week. And this week, and we started a couple, actually three years ago, four years ago, supporting Adama Kutara, who is a missionary in Burkina Faso, and reaching out not only to his uh, tribe of people, but to some extra tribes that uh, are really unengaged people groups, which means the gospel has never gone to them in a, in a pronounced way. There's no local church, and he's trying to reach people that no one has reached before. Burkina Faso is just a... Uh, just re-looking up some things this, this morning, actually. You know, they are facing 900,000 to a million displacement of, of their people. 
And there is a whole group, and they're fighting their own ethnic groups, but jihadism is there. And you have militaristic groups that are just slaughtering people in that nation. So they're not afraid of a, so much a, uh, a COVID disease, but they're, they're concerned about bullets that are flying around them. And so as we think about uh, even the verse of this last month, I guess this month, is uh, don't be afraid. Well, most of the time, we don't have to be as fearful as other places, but there's places where it's, that's just a natural experience to be afraid. And so what drives out fear when you're in a very scary situation? Well, the only thing that can really do that is good news. And that was the good news the angel announcement announced at Christmas, uh, for I bring you good news of what kind of joy? Great joy. For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior as Christ the Lord. But it's one thing to hear that you ought to be filled with joy. It is good news. Uh, but how do you do so when, when you're struggling and, and, and life is, is, is just falling apart, if not in your life, in the lives of people around you? Well, it's to remember the thing that we try to emphasize over and over and over again, that, that joy is found in a person. It's not found in a circumstance or circumstances. And even as I share with uh, those of you here, if you were online, that familiar hymn written by Isaac Watts, Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. Why? Because there's joy that's come to this world. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let 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 men their songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and palms repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. And then that phrase, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns invest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Now, I heard that familiar Christmas carol when I was a, a little guy, and I've heard it throughout my entire life, and it wasn't until a number of years ago that I began to understand there's a little bit of controversy about that particular Christmas carol. And the controversy is, is that really a Christmas song, or, or is that a song for the future? To use a religious term, is that a, a, an Advent song or apocalyptic song? Or to put it in very simple language, is that a first coming song or a second coming song? Because as you look at some of the phrases in here, is, is the king really reigning in his full, fullness right now? And the answer to that is, is no. Is there no sin abounding? Are there no thorns in your ground? I know I'm pulling weeds all the time, right? When's that going to happen in its fullness is when he returns. So, so we, we need to understand that, that joy is experienced now, and, and in the fullness in the sense that the one who is a source of joy, Jesus, can live within the people who have who've given their life over to him. But circumstantially, the joy will not be experienced in its fullness until Jesus returns. And so we need to hold on to that hope, and that hope is not wishful thinking, as we tried to share that earlier in this whole series, but it's, it's confident conviction that we can celebrate what's going to happen in the future and be content 
and filled with gladness because we know that our future is settled about what Jesus is going to do. And so when we begin to lose our joy, and there's no other way to be honest and serious about it, when things go badly or poorly or traumatically, and some have experienced that, that in the midst of that, we can still have joy because he still lives within us, but we can look forward to the future in which we will experience the two words we use a little bit as we describe joy. It's invincible. Nothing can conquer what God can give us. And it's also inexpressible. It is that which really, how do you, how do you explain still having joy when either you're hurting or the people around you are hurting or your world is falling apart? And the only answer to that is because joy has come to the world in a measure now in its fullness to come. And so that simple phrasing, the end, God's people win because we know Jesus. So, so what I want to do today, if you have your outline, it's going to help you follow along as we go through, uh, is I was looking at this, uh, it's kind of that in-between Sunday, you go, what do you, what do you do after Christmas? I mean, it's like, you know, it's just like, how, what do you preach on? Do you go right back in the series where you had begun, and, and we're going to start that in January, or, or do you try to somehow have a summary type of, of a message about the season? And, and since we did joy, I thought, well, well let's do something about joy, uh, because you can never have enough joy, right? I mean, you know, do you like being happy? Would you mind being more happy and even more, more, more happy? I mean, who wouldn't want to have more joy? Uh, but as we think about that, there, there's a depth, to, a depth to joy. And, and that's what we want to see here. How, how can we have more joy? When does that really happen? And so one of the things I did, uh, have, you, uh, have you ever consulted Dr. Google? Okay, Dr. Google, you know, they have religious postings as well. So I looked up, you know, what are the, what are the 10 most... Uh, beloved verses on joy. And I went to five sites, and uh, you won't be surprised with that. All five sites had a different listing of the top 10. And uh, David Letterman didn't put it in there, but the, there were a number of other people who did. And so then I was going through, well, should I have a 10-point sermon? You know, you know, I thought most people don't want my 10-point sermon, so I won't go with 10 points. I'll give you five, you know, I'll add a couple verses there. But what am I going to talk about? And it, you're not going to be able to memorize all five, but I, I would urge you to go back and say, hey, you know, which, which, this, which of these five, and I couldn't help myself, there's going to be a six. So, but, you know, which of these really strikes you the most in turn? I, I need to hold on to this. And as we think about, you know, where does joy come from and where does it come more, uh, we'll look at some things that, that God says. So where do I get more joy? When, and that'll be the answer to that question, first of all, when all else fails, God is my source of joy. You're thinking, when it fails, and let's be honest, sometimes when, when things go badly, we don't rest and lean upon ourselves, Right? We're kind of forced. Okay, I got to find my joy. I got to find my strength. I got to find God, not in just the natural experiences of life, but I I need a race to him. And and so there's an interesting passage found in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And anybody recently have their devotions in Habakkuk? Okay, Habakkuk is a great book, but it's really a book in which uh, everything is going wrong. In fact, uh, the prophet, the priest is, is really being honest with God. And let me urge you, not only today, but in every day, be honest with God. Okay, number one, you never hide anything from him anyway. And so you put on a happy face when you really are not, you're not, you're not having a silly smile in your heart. You need to tell him that. 
But as you tell them that, you need to listen to them as well. And so in Habakkuk, the prophet is, is just complaining to God, this life is not fair. Have you ever heard that said before? Have you ever said that to anybody? Well, that's said in the Bible as well. And it's and it said to God, look at God. I, I know, we're not, I know we're, not, we're not doing that well. We're not living, you know, I know exactly the way you want us to live. But the people out there, they're a lot, what? They're a lot worse. And so why are you doing good things to them and not so many, too many good things to us? And so in Habakkuk chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, and I will, I will resist the temptation to teach you Habakkuk today, but he, this is what he says. Though the fig tree should not blossom, and there are no fruit on the vines. Is that good news or bad news? That's bad news. I've told you before, I had an orange tree for eight years, no oranges. Okay, that was not good news for me. Though the, the yield of the olive should fail, and the fields produce no food... Though the flock should be cut off from the fold and there should be no cattle in the stalls. This is not just bad news. This is, this is horrible news. Everything's going wrong. Yet I will exalt in the Lord and I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. So when all else fails, who doesn't fail? God. Because you can lose everything, but the one thing in life you can't lose if you have him is the Lord Jesus Christ. He will always be with you. In fact, this is probably the most consistent verse that's considered the, the, the favorite promise in Scripture apart from salvation is the Lord will not leave me or what? Forsake me. So when all else fails, God is the source of my strength. Then you got the New Testament verse that most of us are familiar with, many are. Consider all joy when you encounter various trials. And you go, look, there's some verse in the Bible that can't be true. You don't get joy when, when you have trials, when things break, when things go wrong. But he goes on and says, okay, here's some of the, some of the backstory to this. Consider all joy when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Which simply says this, when, you know, when everything fails, when the, when the orange trees don't bring you oranges, when the fig trees don't bring you any figs, when the cattle, they take off, when the sheep aren't around, when everything is going wrong economically, personally, family-wise, whatever, is that, that God is always there. And there's a source of joy in his presence, but there's also a source of joy in the lessons he's teaching you. And many people say, don't pray for patience because God will give you trials. But let me ask you, do you think having patience is a good quality? Isn't it, isn't it amazing that you see some people and they're able to go through and, and encounter so many things of life and they remain steadfast and strong? And you look at them and admire them. You go, I wish I could be like them. And when you begin to learn lessons of life, the writer of James, who's James, he said, look at when you go through adversity, in your own heart, you become complete. Some of the things that you need to grow in and mature in, that's how it happens. So how do you get more joy? When all else fails, recognize that God is your source of joy. Kind of related to this, point number two I made, when I am weak and hopeless, 
The joy of the Lord is my strength. Now, the people of Habakkuk's time, they were being overrun by Babylon. They were going to take over Jerusalem. And, and, and you know, sometimes you're, you're looking at past defeats. They were looking to a present defeat. And, they, you know, it was, it was a madhouse there. Well, Nehemiah, the, the story of Nehemiah is this um, a cupbearer, you know, where he, he drank the food, ate the food. Uh, I guess you don't drink the food, you know, unless you put it in a blender, right? Okay, he drank, he drank the cup of wine or whatever it was and ate the food before the king did because if someone wanted to take out the king, they'd take out the cupbearer first. Well, anyway, um, that, you know, Nehemiah survived that, and all of a sudden God called him to go back to uh, Jerusalem and build the wall, and, and all kinds of things happened. And, and they were struggling big time. Everyone was against them. And then in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, it says this. Then he said to them, uh, go and eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared, for this day is holy for our Lord. And this was a time where they gathered all the people in this big worship experience. Ezra was reading the law. And then it says this, do not be grieved. And this is an interesting phrase here. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you're thinking about that. Well, well look at you know, when things go wrong, it's hard for me to be joyful. But, but let's, just, let's just put it this way. How about when you're just tired? I mean, you're just worn out. You're, you're just exhausted. When you haven't slept very well. Um, when I was young, I used to sleep really, really well. And then when I got old, <laughs> anybody can relate to this? I don't sleep as well as I used to. Somehow that must be in my genes because all three of my boys and even Cindy, they don't sleep very well as well. You know, they, they just don't get long and good nights sleep. And sometimes when you don't sleep enough, family members recognize that, right? And, and, and when you aren't particularly uh, 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 happy and joyful and smiling in a good mood, they might say, hey, you probably didn't get a what? good night's sleep. You know, you're kind of cranky. You know, go take a nap. Do something because we can't stand you, right? When you lose your strength, you lose your joy often. And so what are you going to do? I mean, you can't say, well, I wish I just had a good night's sleep. You didn't have a good night's sleep. When you just feel tired, exhausted, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to have to again go to the source of your strength. And it says, the joy of the Lord, which is our, our desire, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, so we want to have it, but we have to recognize when we are not filled with natural strength, He is our source of strength, and when we understand He's our source of strength, we will have joy. There's a, there's a passage in Isaiah, and I've memorized it in a number of different translations, but I'm going to read it for you today because I don't want to mess it up, but... Uh, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, it says this, Yet those who wait for the Lord, in some translations will say wait on the Lord, will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Now, you know, God, there, there's some flowery things in the Bible, but everything in the Bible is true. Uh, understanding its context and who he's writing to and wh- what is he, what's the point he's trying to make. But in the midst when we are weary and we are tired and when we are beyond our own natural abilities to do what we need to do and the way we ought to do it, he said, wait on the Lord. 
and he will renew your strength. He, he will give you the energy to live life the way it's supposed to be lived. And, and when, you, when you experience that, you realize there, there's a joy in that. You know, where, did the, where did that all of a sudden ability to keep on keeping on, to, to be and to do what God wants you to do, it's, it, it comes from the Lord, and there's a sense of joy in that. The Apostle Paul, and I have, that, I don't, I have these references, and I didn't write them in there, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, in that chapter really is Paul listing some of the things that just went wrong. And if you want to ever find out a, lot, a person who had a lot of things go wrong in his life, just read the testimony of the Apostle Paul. But here's what he said in summary form in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10. He said, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. And just taking that first part of that phrase in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. We, uh, um, I don't know, it's Charlie Brown or maybe whatever it might be. I can't remember where that really came, but you know, that, that whole phrase, there's a certain type of grief and you have an adjective before, it's called what? Good grief, you ever heard that? Good grief, okay. And, and let me tell you, there's nothing, there's nothing pleasant about grief, you know, I, I think I shared with you recently, you know, I've had some family members pass away this 2020. There's nothing pleasant about it in the terms of loss of life. But there, there is a, a grief that's a good grief, particularly if you know where that loved one now resides and where they're living and the, and the joy that they have. And so you don't really grieve for them. You grieve for yourself, but you don't grieve for them. And so there's a good grief. And that's really what he's saying here. There, there is a sorrow, and he's not saying that he wasn't sorrowful, that he, that he was going through difficult times, but in the midst of sorrow, he could rejoice. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we're wiped out physically and, and our, our heart is broken, our joy is in him. Does that make sense? That, that's the more joy that's only supernatural. Thirdly, when I feel empty, I can be filled with joy. One of my favorite passages in, on joy is Jesus' words in John 15, 10, 11. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So to draw near to God, we've we got we to trust God. And, and then when you trust God, just like that old, old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. That's, that's kind of like right out of the message, right? It's uh, trust and obey for there's no other way to be joyful in Jesus, but to trust and obey. So drawing close to Jesus. And then he says this, these things I have spoken to you. And what I, the reason I just gave you that instruction, so that, you, that, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. So, so when we are not only uh, experience life when everything around us seems to be failing or when we feel in life that life is drained us of our strength, we're weak and we're hopeless, but even when we just feel empty. And I, I'm putting some of these things together because these are some word pictures that I can relate to in terms of, you know, when I'm just empty on the inside, you know, you know I don't have that silly grin on my face, right? You're just, you're just, there's nothing there. But again, this is, an, this is an exhortation to say, okay, where, where are you going to get filled up? Where are you going to get filled up? And 
what Jesus is saying, look, at when, when all these things happen, just trust me, obey me, and I will give you joy, not just joy, but I will give you my joy. And what's true about my joy? My joy is experienced in fullness. And you're saying, well, that's, that's easy because they saw Jesus. Well, what about us? So that's what 1 Peter 1, 8, 9 says. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you have, do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. It can obtain as the outcome of your faith, uh, your salvation, your relationship with the living God. Which simply is saying this, look, at, we're not always going to see, and I'm using this word see now figuratively, see what God is doing. You know, you know, why, you know, for Matt and Lisa, the dad, the grandmother, and the mother have COVID, and they're struggling big time. You know, you know Vivian, I mean, her husband, her grand, her, her father, and then she's prevented to go see them. And even as some other extended family have it now that's still quarantined, she can't travel to Las Vegas and even be a, a source of help. And you, you can't see what God is doing. When, obviously, when Jesus is here, you can see everything he did because he was doing it right in front of you. He's writing this to the disciples. But he's saying, look, even though you don't see him, you know him, you trust him. And, and because of that, you can believe that he knows what he's going to do and there's a reason for it, a purpose for it, so you can have a sense of joy that when life looks out of control, it's not out of control because there's a God who's in control, and you can take joy in that. So where's more joy come from? I need to look. At, I keep looking at this clock. The, the, the lights are going like this. I'm saying, that clock hasn't moved because I can't see the hands. All right. So anyway, where does joy come from? When all else fails, God is the source of joy. When I am weak and hopeless, the joy of the Lord is my strength. When I feel empty, I can be filled with his joy. And then fourthly, when I think I bring joy to no one, my life brings joy to the Lord. Now, now we're kind of changing the, at least the, the whole theme of what I'm saying here. Sometimes when we self-reflect or, or begin to examine our own life and we're saying, you know, <laughs> my life's not that important. In fact, it's not only not that important, it's not really impacting anybody in a positive way. And, and if, I, if I were to, you know, it's kind of like, a, what, what's that old time movie? I just popped in my mind. Um, uh, huh? A Wonderful Life? Yeah, when he thinks... Why should I keep living? And then he gets to see his, his life, what would happen if he hadn't been there. Thanks for helping me out there. I couldn't really understand you when you were muffled. But anyway, you know, is that you, we could be like the Jimmy Stewart, you know. I might as well just end this life because I know what will miss me if I'm gone. Okay. Well, do you know that your life matters to God? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let's also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. That's a whole other message here. But he's saying, look, don't get bogged down by, by things you ought to let go in your life. But then he says this. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, and then I left out the verse I need to leave in there. Who, where Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him. Why did, why, did, why did Jesus go to the cross? 
he wasn't going to be happy being mocked and ridiculed and going through the pain of, of being tortured on that cross. You know, he wasn't going to be um, filled with joy knowing that he had the power to, to take everyone who was mocking him and put them in their place. But he stayed on that cross because what verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So when you look around you, maybe at any moment in your life, you're feeling people really don't care about you. They don't, they don't, they don't, they don't really communicate to you in verbal or nonverbal ways that you're, you're a source of blessing to them, you're a source of joy to them. You need to understand that you are a source of joy to Jesus. That's why he went to the cross. Or put it another way, in Luke chapter 15, which is a passage about the prodigal son and you know, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and all that went on there. In Luke 15, 7, it says, I tell you, and this is in the, in the parable of the lost sheep, the hundred sheep, and um, it says this, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. He's really not saying there's any 99 people out there who don't need to repent. There are 99 people out there who don't think they need to repent, who look like they're in the family, but they're not in the family because they're filled with pride. But when we turn our lives over to Jesus, we bring joy to heaven. The angels rejoice, and all those up there are rejoicing because someone has come home and turned to him. So when you feel like you're in joy, no joy to anyone, you need to recognize you are a joy to the Lord and everyone who populates heaven and everyone who knows him now. And though you might not hear it, you might not see it in how they treat you or talk to you or embrace you, you, have, you are a joy to Jesus for eternity. And then fifthly, when others ask why I am joyful, my joy is a gift from the Lord. And that's really talking about that joy that's inexpressible because you can't express why you're joyful when everything is going wrong, either in your life or the people you care about's lives, and you really can't see the purpose of God. You, you believe theologically, you might not put in that phrase, but you know that if, uh, if God is in control, there's got to be a purpose, but you're not seeing the purpose, and you, you can't understand the purpose, and you say, God, you could do it a, a different way, you know, all that kind of thing. It's a gift from God. I've already quoted this verse, but in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. The fruit of knowing God is that what God gives you. I like the, the verse in Psalm 1611. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. It goes on and said, look, I, I'm talking about joy that you're going to enjoy as well. <laughs> he says, and in your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Now, we, we don't always experience the pleasures on, at any instant or point in our life that we want to experience at that moment. But God gives us that joy that's inexpressible, invincible, and it's true, even though we can't somehow explain it. Now, I, I did mention to you, I, I couldn't stop with five points. I, I got six, so I'm just going to say it real quickly, all right? It's not in your outline, but here it is. And then I guess this, this is the real practical point in terms of, of, 
of as we as we move and have our being and in life and as we have opportunity to influence others and befriend others and in a family perspective influence family members uh, I just want to read a couple passages and and make this simple point is that our source uh, uh, when do when do we get more joy when we find people walking with Jesus and we see that somehow our lives are making an impact on their lives to help them walk with Jesus. Real quickly, First Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9, Paul is praying for the church in Thessalonica. He says this, For what thanks can we render to God? He's just filled with thanksgiving. And why? He said, For you, for you, in return for all the joy with which we rejoice before God on your account. Now, that's kind of flower language to simply say this. And later on, he said, I can't wait to see you face to face. Why? Because as he heard good reports about his children in the faith, they weren't part of his earthly family, but he, but he saw the influence, not only he, but his, his other cohorts in, in planting churches and influencing people's lives. You don't have to plant a church to influence someone. Any one of our lives can influence someone else to, to, to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus. And when you see them walking with Jesus, it's a source of thanksgiving. And for Paul, it was a source of joy. I, I'm, I'm so joyful when I hear you, you're doing so well with Jesus. But even in a clearer way, in 3 John, verse 4, and, and you don't have a chapter entering because there's only one chapter in 3 John, but he says this in verse 3 and 4, for I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth. Which is a simple way of saying that there was good gossip going on. People were, were telling John that uh, some good things were happening in the churches that he had helped start and the believers he had impacted. And then he said this. This is just an impactful thing. I have no greater joy than this. Now, whenever I hear things, you know, great, it's the greatest or the greater, you know, the great, you know, what is that? I, I'm, I think I've shared this a number of years ago where, you know, if I'm going on a, on a road trip and I'm going down the path and they say, the greatest hot dog ever made, you know, I want to pull over. I mean, I want to eat the greatest, the greatest hamburger, the greatest ice cream, whatever, whatever it is. If it's the greatest, I don't want to miss out on the greatest. I have no greater joy than this, to hear of my children walking in the truth. And so as we think of that as parents, grandparents, you know, what's going to bring me joy is seeing them walking in the truth of Jesus. And not only my children, my grandchildren, but people I know. When I see them knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus, surpassing whatever I do in loving Jesus and following, it gives me no greater joy than seeing people get it. They get it. It's, it's all about knowing the truth and then living out the truth. And, and whenever, and as John was saying this and Paul was saying this, whenever you see yourself in any part of that, not taking credit, but just seeing you were part of that, that process by which people began to love the one who is the truth, which is Jesus, and then follow the truth, which is his word, and living a life that God had intended them to live, it, it brings you no greater joy in life than that. So what's the point this morning? I guess the point is simply this. I put it this way in your outline. It's God's will for you to be joyful. 
Now, there's some commandments in life that are burdensome. That in First John, Paul says that. Man, if I actually said that's not burdensome, but some some of God's commandments are pretty challenging, right? Uh, you know, I don't want to suffer for Jesus' sake. I, I, don't, I, I would actually prefer not to go through various trials. I, I would prefer not to have um, people persecute me, and the Beatitudes talk about that, or, or to say things about you that aren't true. Uh, but here it says, you know, God's will is for you to be joyful. I, I, I want that to be true in my life. Do you want that to be true in your life? And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18, and actually he makes it a command. Not only is it God's will for you to be joyful, God says you are to be joyful. This is a command. And so if you are wallowing in your sorrow, and sorrow is, is real, if you're wallowing in your grief and grief is real, you need now say, okay, but God, in the midst of that, I, I want somehow to remember your presence in my life and, and, and your ability to be in control when life is out of control, and I want to trust in you. I want my joy be in your strength and in your, in your presence in my life. And I, I, want to, I want to obey that command. Rejoice always. And then you get some things that kind of help you do that. Pray without ceasing and everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the good, the good news is that as we close out 2020, as we enter into 2021, God's will for all of us is to be joyful. And when joy is a challenge, some of these verses might cause all of us to say, okay, there, there is hope to be joyful when it doesn't seem possible. But with God, all things are what? Possible. Even experiencing joy when it seems to be a joyless experience because of what's happening in us or around us. But if Jesus is with us, we can be joyful. Let's pray together. Father, we, we recognize that that we are a needy people. We are needy when we first make, need to make that step to surrender our lives to Jesus, recognizing that we are, we are guilty in our own sin and that Jesus needs to pay the penalty for our sins on the cross. And when we give our life to Jesus by simply asking Jesus to come in and forgive us of our sins, we want to follow him, then he changes our life from the inside out. But even as we have come to know Jesus in the past, it's, it's a daily experience. And, and Father, we want that joy that you can give us in our life to, to spill over, that people can see it in us, even when we can't even express it or explain it. And the reason is because it's found in a person, maybe a person they don't know, but they can know if they surrender their life to you. Help us to be a joyful people, individually and collectively so that people can see Jesus in us. And we praise in Jesus' name, amen.